Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. And thank you for being here today as we continue to examine the repercussions, uh, repercussions of President Biden's disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan and the abandonment of Americans to the hands of the Taliban. Um, Mr. Call, is it or Dr. Call, is it true that President Biden said we wouldn't leave when there were Americans left behind? We've not left Americans behind. They continue to get out. We left Americans behind. We did not leave Americans behind. They continue to get out. That happened. Call and call, Dr. Call and call, Undersecretary of Defense Policy, Principal Advisor to the Secretary of Defense, saying with a straight face to Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa, we didn't leave Americans behind. They continue to get out. Well, how do you... How do you do anything else? Once you hear that, don't you need all the bourbon? That is a remarkable thing to hear. And the look of incredulousness and and just... Yeah, I think that's just the word. Maybe that's it. From Senator Ernst, listen to this again. Listen to the whole thing. Of the Taliban. Um, Mr. Call, is it... Or Dr. Call, is it true that President Biden said we wouldn't leave when there were Americans left behind. We've not left Americans behind. They continue to get out. We left Americans behind. We did not leave Americans behind. They continue to get out. Did the the DOD, you represent the DOD, Dr. Call, did the DOD leave before all Americans were out? It was the consensus judgment that leaving on August 31st was the best way to continue. So the DOD, General Mingus, did the DOD, did our soldiers leave before all Americans were out? Yes, ma'am. The last uh, airplane left the evening of the 30th morning of the 31st of August. Thank you for your straightforward answer. Holy crap. Is that, that is amazing. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, oh, that's, I'm going to breathe for a second. I had not heard it. I saw it. I'm like, oh, oh, I got to check this out for myself. Lots been going on on Capitol Hill. It's just one of the hearings that's been going on today. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. One is the nonsense, irrational, pseudo-intellectual Orwellian answer. And the other one is, yeah, yeah, we left and there were Americans still there. That's all there is to it. If you want to know what the swamp is, if we're going to use that vernacular, it's, it's answers like this from Dr. Call, the Undersecretary of Defense. This is a guy that, that, that we're trusting policy to. We have State Department people like this who they provide no value because they aren't willing to play in the black and white. I don't make the argument that there isn't gray out there, but sometimes there is an answer to the question. Even if it makes your boss look bad. It's not debate that Joe Biden left Americans behind, some 400 that we know of. 
Meanwhile, there's a whole conversation going on on Capitol Hill about kids' online safety. You had Snapchat, TikTok, and YouTube executives in front of the Senate Commerce, Science, and Transportation Subcommittee. This talking about the impact of social media platforms on children. And we should be clear, there are impacts of social media platforms on children. But I don't quite know what Congress is going to do about those things, if only because that might not be Congress's job. Senator Marsha Blackburn, ranking member. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Beckerman, I want to come to you first. In the past, TikTok has said that it has never, nor would it ever, share and provide user data to the Chinese government, even if asked. Yet your privacy policy says you can disclose data collected to respond to government inquiries. It also says you share data you collect with your parent companies and affiliates and that you transmit user information to servers and data centers overseas. And earlier this year, the Chinese Communist Party acquired an ownership state and a seat on the board of ByteDance. So does TikTok share user data with its parent company, ByteDance? Um, thank you, Senator. Um, this is an important question, um, and I'm glad you're asking. Um, TikTok does not- Quickly. Excuse me? Running. Quickly, please. Yes, Senator. Um, we do not share information with the Chinese government, and I would like to um, point you to a Citizen Lab report, which is one of the most well-respected global national security experts, where they said, our research shows that there's no overt data transmission to the Chinese government, and our testing TikTok did not contact any servers within China. Um, and then the report goes on to state, Senator, let me that ask TikTok you, does not pose a threat to national security, and I'd be happy to submit that report. Okay, let me ask you, please submit. Does anybody believe that China isn't engaged in a level of snooping in technology that they own? I'm willing to believe the representative from TikTok who states that they weren't able to catch a ping in China. But that doesn't so much satisfy (laughs) those of us who are concerned about what China is doing with data. I don't think it should satisfy anyone regarding what China is trying to do with data. Now, this is all going on on Capitol Hill, but I want to bring you to Dave Chappelle. Because Dave Chappelle, people going after him left and right for not saying anything wrong. He didn't say anything wrong in his special. You can think it funny, not funny. You could even think it rude, talking about people who are transgender. But he's allowed to say it. But those people in the transgender community think that he should be silenced. He shouldn't be allowed on Netflix. He shouldn't be allowed to talk. He shouldn't be allowed this. He should be ashamed of himself that. None of that is true. And he is doing the screening of a, of, a, of a documentary. And he's making the claim, by the way, that his documentary is taking it on the chin. He's been disinvited from festivals. And he says, and now today, not a film company, not a movie studio, not a film festival, nobody will touch this film. Now, I know he's going around screening it. He's coming to Indianapolis, my beloved city, uh, to, to uh, engage it, to show it. What, do, we, do, we need a, do we need a Dave Chappelle film festival? 
We'll, we'll, we'll play that. And what was the movie where he was the stoner with Jim Brewer? We'll play them both. No problem. I'll, I'll set that up in Indy. I'll rent out the theater. It's, uh, will you show up? I will do the Dave Chappelle Film Festival gladly. Oh, gladly. But he was doing one of his shows, and he was addressing this, and I wanted you to hear it because it's, it, it's pretty valuable. I don't have total agreement with Dave Chappelle here, but I certainly agree that he should be able to speak. You know the, you know the, the, the story, right? He does this special for Netflix. It's called The Closer. And in there, he makes a commentary about people who are transgender. He says gender is, is a fact, meaning there are men and women. And he's supporting J.K. Rowling, who is referred to as a TERF, a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. I can't believe I know that by heart. Why is she a radical feminist? Because she says men are not women and women are not men. And she's right. Because men are not women and women are not men. And there's nothing wrong with saying so. Nothing wrong with it. Go live your life. Go live your life. You're a man. You you feel you're a woman. I, I, I don't understand that. I don't have to understand it. Go live your life. You want to change your name to Susan? Go change your name to Susan. I well, Fine by me. Tell me I have to change my life because you changed yours, not a shot. Tell me if I use an improper pronoun, I'm guilty of a crime, go to hell. I'm not going to be a part of it. I will not live by your rules. Your rules don't work for a society. I don't even necessarily think they work for you, but eh, it's not for me to tell. You might think that about my rules. You might think my rules are nuts, but they're mine. And yours are yours. Dave Chappelle. It's been said in the press that I was invited to speak to the transgender employees at Netflix, and I refuse. That is not true. If they had invited me, I would have accepted it, although I am confused about what we are speaking about. I said what I said, and boy, I heard what you said. My God, how could I not? You said you want a safe working environment at Netflix. Well. It seems like I'm the only one that can't go to the office anymore. I want everyone in this audience to know that even though the media frames this, that it's me versus that community, that is not what it is. Do not blame the LBGTQ community for any of this This has nothing to do with them. It's about corporate interests and what I can say and what I cannot say. That's not 100% accurate, Dave. I don't argue that there are indeed corporate interests. I don't argue that corporations have done a lousy job in promoting free speech when I was one of the people who was promoting their ability to free speech, meaning they're allowed to make donations to candidates, etc., Citizens United, for example, the Supreme Court decision. But when these corporate interests decide that you can't say this, you can't say that, and you can't do this, you can't do that, that is coming from pressure. And that pressure comes from groups, from wokeness, from the disease of incivility. What's so fascinating is that those in in the progressive left believe that they are the good and decent ones and the inclusive ones. 
and the people they say can't do this and can't do that and can't speak here and, and they, they shut you out of this platform here and do this to Dave Chappelle here and do this to President Trump there and do this to this one here and soon it'll be me. Well, you see, that's because they're good and kind and they can't let those other people talk because they're mean and offensive. Well, I think the so-called good and kind people are mean and offensive. This is why you need civility. Civility is not please and thank you. Civility is the minority being able to speak their mind and the majority not slitting the throats of the minority. That's civility. It is civility that is lost. And the political left, the progressive left, does not own any civility. When they want to say to Dave Chappelle, you shouldn't be allowed to say these things. Not that you shouldn't say these things. You shouldn't be allowed to say these things. When they say to me, you shouldn't be allowed to speak uh, uh, on the radio. Not that I shouldn't say certain things on the radio. There's a difference between things that you should not say versus things that you cannot say, as Jordan Peterson would describe. For the record, and I need you to know this, Everyone I know from that community has been nothing but loving and supporting. So I don't know what all this nonsense is about. In summer 2020, when the whole world shut down, I was outside doing shows. My neighbor had a cornfield and he let me throw shows there and people came from all over the country. Some people came from around the world to see those shows. The best comedians on earth came to my home and broke bread with me. And we lived our lives. We found a way to keep moving forward. I made a whole documentary about it. The first night of those shows was a piece that some of you might have seen. It was called 846, and it dealt with the death, the murder of George Floyd. This film that I made was invited to every film festival in the United States, and some of those invitations I accepted. And when this controversy came out about the closer, they began disinviting me from these film festivals. And now, today, not a film company, not a movie studio, not a film festival, nobody will touch this film. Now, if if I thought that I could help in, in that regard, I, I, I would. I assume that we'll be hearing from Daily Wire shortly. Who wouldn't go see this? If you want to talk about the corporatists who don't want you to speak, you must understand the pressures that they are getting and you have to teach them how to stand up to those pressures. Because when you stand up to these woke folk, they lose their power and we're all better off. But it is the corporatists agreed that give these people the power. It's also the politicos. It's also the people in culture. It's also the people at the school board. You give these woke people power because they call you racist if you don't. And what you have to do is stand up, look them in the eye and say, shut the F up. Call me a racist. Bitch, please. That's all you gotta say. 
Or you could be nicer than that and say, yeah, I'm not listening to you and go about your business. So Dave must see that while people were good and nice to him, and I'm, I'm very happy to hear that, there are groups that are applying the pressure that make it impossible for people like him to speak and will soon make it impossible for people like me to speak. Or putting on pressure to try and make it impossible, I should say. And so you need to fight, yes, those indeed groups and challenge those people who are your friends and who love you to challenge those groups to stop that incivility. And let people who simply disagree with you say so. Remember, just like I feel about vaccine mandates, force is nonsense. Persuasion is everything. That's the way these groups should be working to try and change how people view them or view things or view politics, etc. Dave should keep fighting. I think we all should. I'm Tony Katz. November 5th, I am speaking at the Brown County Republican Lincoln Day Dinner. You can get your tickets. You can you can do this. You can be a part of the thing. Uh, Producer Ari will be there. Uh, he will be in, in charge of uh, uh, security. Oh, boy, you're screwed. It gets, it gets, it, I, I thought you were going to start working out. Oh, I have been, but I'm also like 5'5 five, five and like 140, so... If someone, if like a, a very muscular second grader comes, like I'm not gonna be able to stop him. Right. That's my hope is that a uh, muscular second grader will stop by the Brown County Republicans and and hear me uh, speak. Uh, you can go. You can find Brown County, Brown County, Indiana Republicans on Facebook, and you can get more information. I, I'm looking forward to it. I I have to assume. I'm not going to get invited back after this. This is actually the second time I've spoken to the Brown County Republicans. Uh, but I'm going to, you know, you know, I'm not a super big fan of of what Republicans are doing, nor am I a big fan of Republicans in the state of Indiana right now. So it could get, um, it, it could get interesting. It could get very, very interesting. But looking forward to it, uh, there is more public speaking coming from me. So people have been asking, and, I, you know, you sometimes just got to make a decision. I'm like, all right, I, I, I'm ready. I want to start doing much more of this. You can go to TonyCats.com, and you can book me. And you can get your tickets. You can get a whole table. Bring people. It's Brown County. Beautiful. November 5th, beautiful time to head to Brown County, Indiana. This is Tony Katz today. So if you didn't know, Barack Obama and Bruce Springsteen are now the greatest friends in the world. They're doing a podcast together. And in this uh, little snippet of an interview they both did, Barack Obama wants you to know that all you Bruce Springsteen fans, oh, sure, you like Clarence Clemens, uh, the, the saxophone player, right? The late, great Clarence Clemens, the big man himself. You loved him when he was on stage. Sure, sure you did. But if, if you saw him at the Stone Pony just having a beer or something like that, 
Oh, you'd be, you'd just be calling him the N-word. The world, what Bruce and Clarence portrayed on stage was essentially a reconciliation. And that's right. But most of your audiences were primarily white. And they can love Clarence when he's on stage, but if they ran into him in a bar, suddenly oh, yeah. the N-word comes up. Yeah. And part of the world, what... I just want to say for the record that Bruce Springsteen throwing his fans under the bus like that is too disgusting for words. Born in Brooklyn, grew up in Jersey, not too far from the Stone Pony. Only been there once, never for for Bruce. Bruce Springsteen is legend. Driving through the streets of Freehold, New Jersey, that's where Bruce grew up. Everywhere you would go in my area of New Jersey, growing up in Middletown as I did, there was a Bruce story. There was some story. There was some connection. There was some issue. Driving up to the Atlantic Highlands, driving down to the Jersey Shore, actually a little bit east to the Jersey Shore, which wasn't too far away. The entirety of Asbury Park. I spent a few formative years in Bradley Beach. Walk up the beach. There it is. There's that pier. You're going to tell these people who spent every hard-earned dollar they had on you, the people you were writing songs about, deep down they saw Clarence Clemens and they only thought of him as the N-word. Oh, sure, fine on stage, but if they could get him one-on-one, what? They were just going to call him names? They were secretly hateful people? Unreal. Unreal. Now, maybe I'm taking that all out of context. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it is so good to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. On Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Everything at TonyKatz.com. Maybe there's more to that. And maybe Bruce Springsteen engages a riveting and uh, vociferous defense of his late friend. Or maybe, maybe he just, you know, let Barack Obama scream racism again and everything was okay. Evil. Absolutely, positively, an evil thing for Barack Obama to say. But evil is is all around us. Did you hear this? from Ilhan Omar talking about the police being responsible for all the crime. What we must also recognize is that the reduction in policing currently in our city and the lawlessness that is happening um, is due to two things. One, the police have chosen to not fulfill their oath of office and to provide the public safety they are owed to the citizens they serve, right? It's- the cops are at fault. That's why we see more crime, because they're not fulfilling their oath of office. Honestly, Minneapolis cops just quit and move. You've got jobs in other places. The governor of Florida will give you $5,000.
Come to Indiana. Wouldn't mind having you. Would not mind having you. I don't know if we're going to pay $5,000 or not, but you don't have to move to Florida. You get to still be in the Midwest in a place that actually wants you. What are you putting up with this for? This hate, this bigotry, this insanity. You could do better. But, I mean, that's pretty hateful stuff. That's pretty hateful stuff from Ilhan Omar. I mean, what do you expect from an anti-Semite bigot? I mean, this is, this is what you're going to get. But nothing is as hateful as what's going on in Fairfax County. Nothing is as hateful as the understanding that every time that low-rent politico, Terry McAuliffe, tells you that critical race theory is not being taught here. There's no critical race theory being taught here. It's a, it's a, a dog whistle, a dog whistle, I tell you. From the, uh, from the Republicans, it's all about race. And when parents are concerned, all McAuliffe does is act, attack Republicans. If you win, how are you going to work with those parents who have concerns about how things are being taught in schools? Yeah. Across well, the let, let's be very clear here. This is all generated by Glenn Youngkin. This is what MS-13, the Republicans used on Governor Northam four years ago when he was running. They try to find a divisive tactic. You got to ask the question about parents, and your answer is attacking Republicans in MS-13. Meanwhile, the Washington Times are reporting that in Fairfax County public schools, teachers were told that critical race theory is a frame for our work. A slide presentation in the summer instructed social studies teachers in Fairfax County public schools that critical race theory is a frame for their work even though officials in Virginia's school systems say that it's not part of the curriculum. The slide presentation is entitled Renew, Reflect, Reimagine, Enacting a Critical Lens for Student Empowerment. Presented uh, via Zoom during an in-service day through K- for K-12 through social studies teachers in Fairfax County. It's available on YouTube. The Washington Times got a digital copy of it. Two-hour and 45-minute presentation. Critical race theory is listed as one of the community engagement communication tools, unquote, that teachers should understand. This is just more proof of the thing you as a parent and you as as an individual already know. The schools are lying to you. The schools are proudly lying to you. In Loudoun County, Virginia... It has now been discovered that when there was a sexual assault that took place, a sexual assault by a student who uh, I believe they claim is transgender is often referred to as a skirt-wearing male. That is how I've actually seen the reporting. Well, he assaulted a girl in a bathroom, and the school did nothing about it. They claim they never heard about it. But it turns out they absolutely did know about it. They 100% knew about it. And when the father of this girl who got attacked was questioning the school board about it, they made it about him, and he was the enemy, and he's the reason that school boards are being attacked, and look at all the problems. 
utilizing him as 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 a way of isolation isolating him so they could say see this is the school boards are under attack his daughter got attacked another child got attacked this is how the reporting goes but as we have learned the Loudoun County Juvenile and Domestic Relations District Court found that this boy is guilty this is the reporting but no one's reporting it. No one's talking about it. No one is sharing anything about it. It's as if it didn't happen. But it did. Emily Zanotti reporting over at Daily Wire that the Loudoun County teen claimed the sex assault was an accident. It happened when his skirt snagged on a wristwatch. I swear to you, I couldn't make this up if I wanted to. This is the argument. This student was found to have committed a sexual assault against a female student in a girl's bathroom at Stonebridge High School, told the court that the sex act which prompted the allegation happened by accident when the boy's skirt caught on his wristwatch as the pair interacted in a bathroom stall. Now, as has also been reported... Supposedly, uh, this girl had some other interaction. I don't know if it was with this this boy who says they're a girl or, or, or someone else. And you've got the Washington Post in a very strange way. And I got to go back and triple check this. It's almost as if the Washington Post is saying, well, you know, whatever happened uh, here. Uh, it, it's not like this girl hasn't done other things in the bathroom. As if somehow she's asking for it. I'm not arguing that she should be having any type of sexual interactions in a bathroom. But a boy who claims they're a girl sexually assaulted a girl in the bathroom. There is no denying this. And the school board absolutely covered it up. They knew that day that it happened. And they claimed they knew nothing about it. There is evil out there in the world people acting out of their politics in the most despicable despicable way it's maddening representative omar is going to say well the problem with cops in minneapolis is not our defunding it's that they haven't decided they've decided not to live up to their oath they're bad people Barack Obama is going to tell Springsteen fans, yeah, sure, you like the saxophone stuff, but you really know what you thought about that black guy, Clarence Cummins. This this is getting said in our world. And a school district knew that a quote-unquote transgender boy, transgender girl, I can't keep up, attacked a, 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 a an actual girl, sorry, in a bathroom, and they hit it. Now, I, uh, you'll, you'll know I have no quarter when it comes to the idea of protecting children and very often from themselves. I believe in protecting children. I believe that is what adults do. And I believe without it, you don't actually have a civil society. You have no society. 
children must be protected very often from themselves. And I have argued on this program that when you take a look at the desires to give children agency, there is no good that comes from it. Children can decide to have their own abortions. Children can decide what gender they are. If children can decide their gender and children can decide abortions, they can decide their medical fate. Add to this the desire to separate parents from the child. The parents shouldn't have any say in education whatsoever. The parents shouldn't be telling parent, uh, teachers how to educate their kids. The school provides breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It provides everything the child needs. And when the child makes a claim of being a different gender, they embrace that. We talked about this more than a year ago. I would say more than two years ago. It is very obvious that the objective here, which is not from ed- from educators, it is from leftists, so it's a larger group, is to separate the child from the parent, to eliminate the parental bond, to increase the agency of the child so they can make their own decisions. The state takes over as parent. There's nothing I have said that is conspiratorial at all. The breakdown that I have presented, which is not refutable, by the way, you can try, I'm all ears, leads you to only one place. The desire is to allow children to have agency over themselves, to make their own decisions, medical, voting, because they want to lower the voting age, sexual, and to eliminate the parent from the equation altogether. Now, so much of this is about wanting to break down the American way of life. Isn't this what we see from the Marxists? They don't believe in the nuclear family. Do you think these things are just being said out there in the sphere? Like, boo, just just throw it up there as if it's some kind of line. I'm connecting the dots, people. Somebody want to try and unconnect them? But I go back to schools for a specific reason, something that just hit me yesterday, and I I wanted to make sure I've said out loud. School districts very often say, there's nothing more important to us than the safety and welfare of our students. I think the most important thing to you should be educating the students, but hey, you're the ones who said safety and welfare. If school districts really believed that safety and welfare was the most important thing, the safety and welfare of kids, they would never allow them to engage in these gender conversations. Because there's nothing safe about allowing a 12-year-old to determine their gender. They're not capable of doing it. They're 12, and the school is supposed to protect the child. So why do they enable this? If they are there... As in their words, to protect the children, the safety of the children is our top responsibility. Why do you allow them to engage this gender conversation as if they're allowed to change their gender, as if that's rational? I'd like an answer from the school districts. Now would be great. I'm Tony Katz.